Sentences with Kimberlyn Lavelle, Season 1. This episode is Motivation. In this episode, we'll be talking about how children are motivated, how to get them motivated, um, what to do about motivation. Some of this might be a little surprising to you, less so if you've seen, um, listened to some of the previous podcasts where I talked about education should not be coercive. We should not be trying to bribe kids into learning or punish them into learning. That's not how kids will really learn. So I'm not about those things. We're going to talk about that a lot more in depth today. So this all started for me. I, I guess suppose I've learned little bits along the way. A big one for me came when I read The Motivation Breakthrough by Richard Lavoie in 2007. And in it, I really got the idea that, yeah, everyone is motivated all the time. Whatever it is that you are doing right this second, you are motivated to do in some way. There is something that is motivating you to do whatever it is you are doing. You are motivated to learn about how to help your child, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. You are motivated to keep the dishes clean, and that's why you're washing dishes while you listen to this podcast. You are motivated to go to the grocery store and buy groceries for your family to eat, right? You have a motivation. There's a motivation behind what it is that you are doing right this minute. So when we see a child in any setting, school or home, who is refusing to work on whatever it is that they've been assigned, they're just sitting there. A lot of times people say they lack motivation. But they're not they're not lacking motivation. They have a very strong motivation to not do the thing that we want them to do. So we need to think about what is their motivation for just sitting there? Is it because they're tired? Is it because they don't want to look dumb and they're not willing to do this thing that might make them feel dumb? Is it they don't know how to do it? Is it that they're not, that they need some time to just do nothing mentally? They're thinking about something else. What is it that's motivating them to do what it is that they're currently doing? So that was really big for me. Another uh, one, uh, another couple books that I really appreciated that I think are related to this is Raising Human Beings and Lost at School by Dr. Ross Green. And in those, and in a lot of things that you can find from him, he's always talking about unsolved problems and having conversations with kids about what it is that they're doing, what it is they're struggling with, what's going on for them. So just assuming a child is not motivated or that they need a certain something to get motivated is kind of disempowering to that child. We need to respect who they are and really look for what is it that might motivate them. Um, as I was preparing for this podcast, I happened to get an email from someone I subscribe to her email, Simone Davies, I believe is how you pronounce it. She's a, um, she has the Montessori notebook and she has a podcast. She has a, to a book, and I think her second book is just about to come out. Um, she has the Montessori Toddler. The Montessori Baby is just about to come out, I believe. And her newest book blog, um, as of when I'm recording this, 
is 42 Ways to Build Intrinsic Motivation. And it's fabulous. I definitely recommend that you look for that because it's all about just kind of creating an environment in your home that builds intrinsic motivation in your child. And I, I agree with 100% basically with everything that she wrote. It is all about intrinsic motivation. So if you don't know, intrinsic motivation is what is motivating you from within. What is it, you know, whatever is driving your own desire to do, produce, um, accomplish something. Extrinsic motivation is rewards, bribes, punishment. It's things that are external to you that are being done to you to try to motivate you. And they're not so great. <laughs> um, and you might be thinking, but Kimberlyn, rewards work. Bribes work. Sticker charts work. Punishments work. You might even be thinking, the behavior specialist told me to use this sticker chart. You're trying to tell me they don't know what they're talking about? Well, sure they know what they're talking about. But if you really talk to them, they also know that they don't work. Not in the long term. And that's what we're looking for. Is what is going to really get your child motivated to do something in the long term. One thing that drives me crazy about behavior specialists, and I don't know if they know that they're doing this, they'll come in with some sticker chart or behavior plan or whatever, and they'll put it into place, and all of a sudden the child's bad behavior improves. And the child starts doing whatever it is that we're wanting them to do. And the behavior specialist pats themselves on the back and leaves because they don't know they're not doing the day-to-day -day work and about a week or two or maybe even up to a month later it stops working and and everyone's like but it was working so well well of course it was working well in the short term these things only work well in the short term if you give a child a piece of candy for doing something that they are telling you they don't want to do they might be willing to do it that day but the next day they might want two pieces of candy and the next day they might want three pieces of candy and the next day they might not be willing to do it for any amount of candy. They're just over it. It doesn't work in the long term because it's, it's not, it's actually doing the opposite. What it's doing is telling the child that they are right to not want to do this and unless the reward is good enough, they shouldn't do it. I will say there is not there are situations in which behavior plans or sticker charts can be beneficial to build intrinsic motivation. The way that I've always utilized sticker charts, or almost always at least, utilize sticker charts or similar token boards in my classroom is to have a child just be reflecting on their own behavior that they want to improve and and kind of logging what, what they're seeing from themselves, how they feel like they're doing. So there is a way to make these things work. And you can even use rewards or bribe that is kind of building intrinsic motivation, but it has to be from them. So one way to do this, and I've heard a few different people say this, um, is you can tell them, Okay, 
I would love for you to be more successful with getting an entire book read. And you know, sometimes when I do something and I accomplish something and I feel really good about it, I reward myself with something that makes me feel even better. So I'm going to help you. Is there something that you would like as a reward for getting that book read that you really do want to get read, but you're having a hard time getting it read? So sometimes people do things like that. So you're telling the child that you're not rewarding them for doing the reading. You're helping to reward them for doing the thing that they also want to do. But, are, but it would help them to give themselves a reward, sort of. But you're kind of providing the reward because maybe they don't have the ability to provide their own reward like an adult can provide his or her own reward. <clears throat> I hope that makes sense. But in general, my point is most bribes, rewards, punishments, sticker charts only work in the short term. They cause a lot of problems in the long term. So if you want a quick fix, sure, reward, punishment. It's going to be a quick fix, but you're going to have more problems in the long term. So what do we do to motivate kids? Number one is to create a culture of learning. Just what we do as part of our family, we're always learning. That's just something that we're all doing all the time. Use encouragement instead of praise. So if you just say, great job, or even... I love the painting that you did, or you got your work done. Well, actually, you got your work done is, is just reflective, so that one's not so bad. Um, but anything where it's a, it's a subjective view. You did great. You did, you did awful. You were late. You were early. Um, those are a little bit less subjective, potentially, but especially if you're homeschooling, late on whose timeline, early on whose timeline... That part wouldn't matter. But you want to use encouragement um, or just that reflective, like you got it done. You finished the book. And and, and you, would, you would even want to not go into, I'm so proud of you that you finished the book. You could instead say, you must feel so proud that you finished the book. So it's not about what the parent feels about the book being finished. It's what does the child feel about the book being finished? Kind of building that intrinsic motivation of how do I feel about my own accomplishments, right? We want the child to feel good about their own accomplishments and not to be looking to the parent for approval in it. And this is so hard, so hard, because most of us are all used, we've all heard, great job, great job, great job. We've all heard how praise is so wonderful. But praise can be really harmful if it's not done correctly um, and it's usually not because it's, it's, it's evaluative and it doesn't need to be. So we can praise effort. Um, oh, you worked so hard on that and look, you were able to finish it. How does that feel? Right? It's, you're, you're kind of praising the effort, but you're mostly just giving encouragement and allowing the reflection. The more reflection a child is able to do on their own behaviors on their own accomplishments, the more successful they're going to feel, the more intrinsically motivated they're going to feel. If there's something really specific that your child needs to learn because of whatever reason, they, you know, you, they have to learn this math so that they can advance to the next book, or they need to learn this math because they're in high school and they're, they need to be able to graduate with certain things on their report card, 
Or it's just something that's important to you as a family. You need to learn this because whatever. If there's something important that you want your child to learn specifically, have a conversation around it, around it, come to an agreement about it. And this might be a place where I know that you're not really interested in doing fraction, adding fractions with unlike denominators. But if you are able to master this, is there something that you would like as a reward for all of the hard work that it's going to take you to learn this skill? I'm happy to help facilitate some reward for something that you aren't feeling much motivation to do, but that your understanding is important to do. So you can kind of build something like that. I'm not saying do this every time. I'm saying if your child tends to like external rewards or is used to that already, you can just shift the framing of that. It can also just be a, in a conversation with, you know, I really love letting you do whatever you want as far as your education goes. I love ha facilitating whatever you're interested in and learning about that. But there are certain things that we need to make sure that you're learning each year. One of them this year is adding and subtracting fractions with unlike denominators. What is it that you think would help you get that accomplished? Or how does that feel for you? Or anything where you're looking at um, getting, the, getting the child to reflect, getting the child to engage, and you're coming up with, how could we go about learning that? Get until you guys come to an agreement. We're gonna just get it over with first thing in the morning, every day, we're gonna work on it for 10 minutes, and then once you've mastered it, we'll be done, and we won't do it anymore. Or we're gonna work on it all day on Monday, and see if you can just master it that day, and then we'll just practice it once a week after that to be sure you don't forget. Whatever it is, right? Have a conversation. You aren't dictating it, you're giving maybe ideas or asking them for ideas, and then until you come up with something that works, and then you go back and evaluate. This is um, not exactly the way Ross Green talks about it, but it's related, very, very closely related to what he's talking about with like, you're solving a problem. In this case, it's not really a problem, you're being proactive about what conversation needs to happen so that you are able to get accomplished what needs to be accomplished. Okay, another thought is be their guide, don't be their boss. It's kind of the same related to what we were just talking about. Offer a lot of choices. Um, a lot of these, you'll find a lot more um, very similar to this in that article by Simone Davies. Now, the big one that I want to talk about today is interest. We need to build our child's interest, build on our child's interests. What are they already interested in? What are we interested in that our own interest might pour out onto them? For example, I am super, super, super interested in ocean, sea life, all of these things, right? So I am always like finding books that are about that because I love that and I want to share that with my children. So they're going to be learning about it because I'm interested in it and my enthusiasm for it can help drive their enthusiasm for it. Similarly, uh, my husband is very interested in cars. So he has car magazines that he gets and he reads them together with my son. They talk about cars all the time. He's explaining how cars work. His interest pours over into our child. 
Um, and then what are they interested in? Whatever it is that they are interested in is obviously going to be an easy, hey, they're really interested in dinosaurs. Let's go get a bunch of books about dinosaurs. Let's look for some math worksheets with dinosaurs on them or think about how to do some math activities with dinosaurs. Let's do some writing about dinosaurs. Let's use their interests to drive the instruction. And we can also create interests. Um, now this is not a comprehensive list. I'm sure you will be able to come up with some that I didn't think of for this list. So please email me and let me know. Um, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. So some ways that you might create interest is going on field trips, reading books, watching movies, playing games, meeting people, celebrating a holiday, maybe a holiday that's not part of your culture typically, or learning about a holiday that's not part of your culture, and subscription boxes or magazines or similar. So all of these are about looking for field trips, books, movies, all these things, people that have to do with something that they don't know much about yet. And it might just spark that desire to learn more. If they meet someone who is a train conductor, they might suddenly become a lot more interested in how trains work, or it might renew an interest in trains that they kind of that kind of had petered out before. These are also all good ways to use an interest they do have or they've kind of shown to build on that and make it more engaging. Um, with subscription boxes, I saw someone post about the subscription box, there's one that um, they deliver snacks from all over the world. So each month you get, I don't know, like one country's snacks or something. I haven't looked into it that much. But like, that's a great way to build an interest in different cultures, different foods, different, right? So you can then also, if that engages their interest, you can be bringing in books. You can definitely bring in more of these things or multiple of these things. If your child really pushes back and they're like, I really am not interested in this, then you can respect that, back off, pivot to something else. But in general, if you're kind of just having things that are just naturally sort of engaging and interesting, they're going to respond in some way. They might not become super interested in it and like, take off on their own, doing their own projects with it, but they might. And you can kind of facilitate and play with it and see which part of it they might be most interested in. What in general do they seem to be the most interested in? Do they in general seem to be most interested in different animals and how animals relate to different subjects? Do they tend to be most interested in careers that people have? Do they most seem most to be interested in the mechanics, like the actual motor functioning of something and how can you use different machines then in different different subjects that you might explore together so kind of using those interests and then pairing it with something else weaving those ideas together can all really build interest in a child if you have any other ideas or thoughts i would love to hear from you if there's any other topics that you would like this podcast to cover please email me at Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. Um, you can also see all of our previous videos at www.yourparenthelp.com. 
and this podcast lives at www.decodinglearningdifferences.com. There is upcoming courses and memberships. If you want to get in on those, please visit one of please visit either yourparenthelp.com or email me at Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com so that I can get you on those wait lists and you can get some of the benefits of that. I look forward to talking to you next week.